0: The name of the great god Zeus is well known to us mortals. For generations he has been revered and respected as the father and king of us all, the mightiest of the immortals, the cloud gatherer, the rain giver, the thunderer, the lightning hurler, the sender of signs, the guider of stars, the cosmic ruler, the father of gods and men. The very name shakes with majesty and power. But the way the world is now is not as it always was, and before he won his kingship and the Olympians rose, the beginnings of this great god were in darkness and danger. The tale of how the cosmos came to be. Is one filled with symbols and mysteries beyond our mortal sight. A union of earth and sky personified, the vast beings Gaia and Uranus brought multiplicity and diversity to the universe, and the mighty race of Titans was born. But Uranus, they say, tried to prevent this tireless, limitless generation of new life from Gaia, and held her back from giving birth by imprisoning her in one long embrace. He threatened the universe with a barren stagnation, breaking the cycle of new creation, and trapping it all in an unmoving, unprogressing state of slow decay. At last their child Kronos, the Titan, through Gaia's arts came armed with a crude sickle honed from sharp flint, and with it freed his mother, breaking her prison-like union by castrating Uranus and sending his father into the outer darkness. Again the universe grew, with Gaia freed, with Kronos' brother and sister Titans freed, his reign over the heavens and earth began, founded in the blood of his father. The poets say he ruled over a golden age, in that new morning of the world, when heat and cold didn't battle with each other. The seasons hadn't yet begun their mystic dance, and one lovely climate stretched from pole to pole. When the trees bore fruit, and the vine bore purple clusters of grape all the year round, and honeydew dripped from the laurel and juniper, which are now so bitter. When flowers of every color filled the air with never-ending fragrance. When lions frolicked with lambs, and the serpent was as harmless as the dove. This was a time when curious Pandora hadn't yet released a jar full of evils, when there was neither sickness, nor anxiety, nor growing old, but mortals, such as they were, faded gently into death, and became guardian spirits after centuries of blissful life. Yet amid this paradise, the titan Kronos could never forget the curse of his father Uranus, whom he had overthrown and came to be tormented by the fear that he himself would one day be cast down by his own children, like his parent before him. Consumed with this fear, he resolved to keep a firm grip on his rule, and he would do so with a savage design. As soon as his wife, the glorious titan Hreya, bore him a child, he would swallow the infant whole as soon as it was born. Freya lost five of her sons and daughters to Kronos this way, whom we would one day know as Hestia, Demeter, Hera, Hades, and Poseidon. But in due course, she felt herself ready to bear yet another, and she knew this child too would become one more gruesome sacrifice to a mad husband. Desperate to keep this last baby safe, she hid in secret and sent up a prayer into the dark sky to Uranus, imploring his counsel and aid against Kronos. She listened, her heart thumping with high hopes, but only a faint, vast murmur thrilled through the sky. Child, my voice is but the voice of winds and tides, and no more than winds and tides can I avail. Pray to your mighty mother, not to me. In me, dispossessed of power as I am, there is no strength left to give." So Rhea the Titaness, turning instead to her mother's aid, made her way through the earth, and Gaia advised her well how to outwit the mad Kronos. And Rhea fled through the swift dark night to a secret thicket upon a hill of Arcadia, a place we call Mount Lycaeus now. On that mountain was born a strong, wondrous child, whom she called Zeus. At Rhea's prayer, a proud Gaia struck the hill, and there gushed forth a bounding stream, in which the mother lovingly washed the infant god. Then she gave him to a nymph of the mountain named Neda, who bore the baby swiftly across the sea to the island of Crete, and hid him in a cave upon a dense and wooded mountain named Ida. She entrusted the child to her fellow nymphs who haunted that mountain, named Adrastia and Ida, to be reared in secret. But to keep Zeus safe, Rhea still had to trick Cronos' murderous appetite. When she returned to him, she took a huge stone and wrapped it up in swaddling clothes. She brought it to her husband and king, and said innocently to him, Behold, I have borne my lord another son. Kronos's face darkened grimly, and his eyes trained on the swaddled stone, thinking beyond a doubt it was the newborn babe. He said nothing to his queen, only snatched the stone and greedily swallowed it down. His wicked task finished, he thought no more upon the matter, for all his great cunning Rhea had utterly deceived him. Zeus still lived. Rhea couldn't as much as lay eyes upon her newborn son, in case Kronos caught sight of her from his high throne. But on Crete, in his new home at Mount Ida, the child thrived in the care of the gentle nymphs, nourished on the wild honey they gathered for him, and on the milk of a mountain goat. Around him danced thunderously the fierce Kuretes, earth-born warriors who performed their booming war dances, rattling and clashing their weapons whenever the infant cried, lest Kronos should hear the sound. And so the child Zeus grew stronger day by day. And it wasn't long before his divine power began to show forth. For two years his foster mother, a caring goat named Amalthea, nourished him. Her fur was snow-white, with black horns and hooves, and was the most beautiful of her kind. Then, one day, while the young god and his nurse played together as they often did, he grabbed one of her curved horns, and he suddenly broke it clean off, not knowing his own strength. Amalthea reared back in shock. But right away, the boy ran to her and threw his arms around her shaggy neck, comforting her and promising to make amends. And this he did, in that very moment. He laid his right hand on the goat's head, and immediately a new horn sprouted full-grown, and he took up the horn he had broken, and gave it to the nymphs who dwelt with him. And in time the magic of that horn would prove itself, becoming a horn of plenty. That would bring forth unending food and drink. As for Amalthea herself, so great was Zeus's love for her that years on, when her life came to an end, she did not die, but was invited to the heavens, and still shines among the stars, as the constellation we call Capricorn. Now when Gaia saw that Zeus had come into the prime of youth, She sent to him one of the daughters of Oceanus, the titan who ruled over the vast ring of waters encircling the earth. His daughter was Matus, a name whose very meaning is wisdom. She arrived at the island of Crete, and stood before Zeus on Mount Ida, and said, O future king, I have come here with an errand for you, and Zeus answered her, Is this errand from an enemy or a friend. Who sent you, and who are you?" And the Wise One replied, "'Metis is my name, a daughter of ancient Oceanus, and my errand is from Gaia, the mother of us all. She bids you take this herb I have here, and go straight to Kronos in his golden palace on high. Don't tell him who you are, or where you've come from, but persuade him to swallow this herb. It will work evil for him and good for you. Don't delay, for the hour is at hand when Kronos must pay the full measure for what he did to his father, as the fates have ordained. Taking the magic herb, Zeus then arose and went up to the heavenly royal hall. There he found Kronos feasting and gulping down honey colored nectar, the wine of the gods. Kronos asked the stranger who he was, and Zeus responded, I am Prometheus, the son of Iapetus, your brother, who sends his greetings with me. Then Kronos, suspecting nothing, bade him welcome, and they drank cheerfully together. But when they had gone on through several rounds of nectar, Zeus put Gaia's herb into his father's cup, unseen by the titan and Kronos no sooner swallowed his next draft from the cup than he lurched forward, clutching his stomach, and vomited from his giant mouth, first the stone that Rhea had given him instead of Zeus, and then, following soon after, two sons and three daughters, emerging fully grown and majestic as gods, Poseidon, Hades, Demeter, Hestia, and Hera. Right away Zeus revealed himself to his siblings, and the young gods seized their titan father and bound him in chains. For all his cunning and crimes, Kronos befell the fate that he had always feared. But with a mighty bellow, Kronos cried out for aid to his kindred titans, in a voice like the tempest's roar, and they came swiftly in their power. The young gods knew they couldn't stand before their combined strength And so they fled from the heavens, finally taking shelter on the cloud-ringed top of Mount Olympus, the great peak shrouded in eternal snows. There on Olympus they remained, constructing first a stronghold, and ultimately, one day, a glorious palace that oversaw the whole world. And so it happened that Zeus and his family are called Olympians to this day. Zeus's brothers and sisters were freed, and Kronos had been punished. But war was brewing. The Titans occupied Mount Othrys to the south of Olympus, and the broad plains of the land of Thessaly even today bear the scars of the struggle that was to ensue in its shattered rocks and jagged landscapes. The storm clouds of a cosmic war were gathering, when the earth and heavens would be plunged into an epic conflict between the Olympians and the Titans, rule over all the universe hung in the balance, and the cycle of violence and vengeance with each successive generation ground on. The great Titanomachy, the war against the Titans, had begun.